Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It was after midnight Moonlight On the snow And thank you so much for joining us today on Channel Panel with God and Guests and with Dr. Catherine May. My name is Ellen Scobie, and I'll be the co-host of today's show with Dr. Dr. May. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Catherine, if you're not already familiar with her work. Uh, She's been a clinical psychologist for over 30 years. Dr. Catherine's the author of the wonderful book called Who Needs Light? She's a renowned workshop leader, conducts workshops throughout the United States. Uh, her next one will be in New York City on March 16th, so you can find out all those details on her website at whoneedslight.org. You can also find her daily blogging, which she channels um, Mother, Father, God, and St. Germain. Today, uh, Dr. Catherine will be channeling uh, Mother, Father, God. I'd like to remind you all to call in and ask your questions. We always look forward to hearing all the wonderful questions that... Um, Come in, so please call us at 760-683-2637. And um, we're just going to go to a short break, uh, and we're going to take our, um, well, before that, actually, before we take our first question, we're going to have um, Mother, Father, God come in and channel for us. Okay, and now Dr. Catherine will be channeling Mother, Father, God. Hello, children. We're so happy to be here with you. And we see that there are guests calling in today. The panel is lighting up. It's very exciting to have you here so that we can talk to all of you in person, at least as close as we can get to being in person. (laughs) And any questions you have, we're very happy to answer. So think about the things you've always wanted to ask of God, and we will be here to answer it for you. Now, we have something new to talk to you about today. I don't know how many of you may be familiar with these things that we're going to tell you, but I hope that you will listen very closely and keep an open mind because this may be something you haven't heard before. First of all, do you know where you came from? I'll bet you don't. We'd like to tell you a little bit about creation. How we do it, how you came to be, how this wonderful world came to be. Now, let's start with souls. No, actually, let's go back even further. Let's start with stars and planets. Mother and Father God, which is the voice you're hearing now, we talk together. We take turns, actually. You may be, you may get very astute at listening to us so that you may even be able to tell which of us is coming through at any given time. 
you may notice that sometimes there's a slightly different shading in our voices. We take turns. We like to do that. And we agree on everything, of course, so it doesn't really matter which of us talks, but we like to take turns so that you will get the feel of both our voices. Now, let's talk about the creation of the planets and the stars. Now, Mother, Father, God get together. This is Mother God speaking. Father God and I get together, or got together millions of years ago to think about what kinds of life forms would be the most wonderful that we could create, what kinds of places for our beautiful life forms to live. And we began, little by little, to create planets and stars, the firmament that you are familiar with. When you look out your when you go outside and look at the sky at night, those are the creations that we began making billions of years ago. Now, you might say we are um, a design team. Father God has quite a lot of input into the design of what we're going to make. He's very good at that and very daring. And I appreciate his special talents So he has a lot to say about what these planets and stars would be be looking like. And of course I agreed. And then I was in charge of the creation. From my heart, from my soul, your planet was born. She was not the first. There were many before her but she is the most beautiful. We feel about our little Gaia the way many parents feel about their youngest child, how whichever child that might be at the moment. She's very beautiful, and she had a special project. From the beginning, Gaia was expected to be the place where our human children could go to learn the most profound lessons. And that's what's been happening. Now, along the way, there have been some dark entities who entities who came from other planets to make trouble here. It made it very difficult for our dear children. But it did make it a challenge and a wonderful learning process because you have each and every one of you learned how to stand up against evil, how to strengthen yourselves and create light around you. Now, let's get to when you were born, when your soul was born, Father God and I dream. We dream a new soul. And we think about what brilliant talents and gifts that new soul will have. And then when we've decided and we've finished our planning, you see each soul is different. Each one has special abilities and talents, special sensitivities. So that means that every soul is different. There are no two alike. In the entire universe, there are no two alike. So once we've decided what kind of soul we're going to create, We throw out a spark. 
a brilliant spark that comes directly from our hearts. And a soul is created. And then that soul, discovering itself, breathes, stretches, notices itself, and then that soul divides into male and female. And once divided, the two parts of that soul, which we call twin flames, the twin flames each go their own way in order to learn and grow and evolve because new souls have a lot to learn. And because the twins that are produced from one soul are so identical in their temperament, in their sensibilities, it would be very difficult for them to live together, to be uh, incarnated at the same time. Before they can do that, they must live many lifetimes, working through many issues, creating karma, working off the karma, experiencing difficult things, recovering from them stronger and stronger. And as they grow, they become more like each other and also more independent. And in that independence, they're able to become stronger and stronger as each lifetime passes. And in between lives, they're very much aware of each other. There is a connection of unconditional love so powerful that there are no words to express it. In between your lifetimes here or elsewhere, you have experienced your relationship with your twin flame. There is nothing like it. Now that brings us to the present. Many of you who are listening to this show are masters, ascended masters, light workers, people who have evolved over many, many years, many lifetimes. And those of you who have already gone through the ascension process three times are ready to ascend once more to meet your twin flame and to continue life together. I guarantee you it will be a thrilling experience. Many of you have no, have been told or seen the ships circling just outside your atmosphere. You call them UFOs. They're not unidentified at all. They are the ships that carry your twin souls. They're just waiting there for you to reach the point, all of you on planet Earth, where you can ascend. Now we have had a requirement. I think Father God would like to talk about this part. Yes, there's a requirement that at least 51% of your karma must be resolved before you can meet your twin soul. We used to. We used to say 100%. But now that things are different on planet Earth, you're all being asked to ascend together. We can't really expect everyone to reach 100%. It wouldn't be fair to those who are already ready to ascend and waiting waiting for their fellow humans to evolve, to open their hearts, to accept their challenge, to become completely loving, to allow themselves to be enveloped in our unconditional love and to be creative and open-minded enough to be ready to do whatever comes because... Whatever comes is going to be thrilling. 
It will be excitement like you have never felt on any roller coaster. (laughs) It will be excitement the likes of which you have never experienced. Now, there is also a challenge because it's brand new for you. You will go through a process of evolution that will change you. You will be taken through our light channels and you will be changed. And when you are, when you have risen to the fifth dimension, your bodies have been adapted and you have been trained to live in the fifth dimension, you will be welcomed with open arms, you will fly into your twin flame's arms, and you will be together. Ever after, as the fairy tales say. Of course, the fairy tales were written about the things that people had experienced on the other side, the good ones. And there we will be to welcome you, as we are now, so that you will be as creative and as fabulous as you are possible as you are capable of being and together we will create the new golden era and you my dear ones will be those who will know who will be ready to be the leaders the creators the ones who will establish the structures the schools, the libraries, the community events, the laws. All of you will be needed with all of your talents, your training and your experience in your past lifetimes will all be available to you. Not simply the things you've learned in this life, but the wisdom that you carry with you from every lifetime will be at your fingertips. And what a team you will be. And together you will create the new golden era. We were so happy to know that so many of you are going to be listening to this show more and more every week. And please send your friends because they need to know what's coming too. So even if you haven't, for those who haven't heard the show today, you can tell them to come to the archives and listen. We know who they'll be. And we welcome them. And now, children, we will open the show for you to ask your questions. Oh, thank you, Mother, Father, God. That is so encouraging, just beautiful. Well, this is Ellen, and we're going to take our first caller, um, and this is Reverend Jay from North Carolina. Reverend Jay, can you hear me? Hey, hey, it's Reverend Jay. There you go. Can you? Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're live on the air. Go ahead and ask your question. Um, well, really uh, interesting um, channeling, and um, I haven't heard of the three uh, levels of ascension before, although I do feel like I'm ascending into the fifth dimension. And um, I guess, uh, you know, I've been on the path of apostleship and um, I do healing and um, that kind of work. And um, I'm wondering uh, when the level of uh, healing is going to be um you know, like just um, in presence or through presence. Through presence? Can you you, um, ask that question again, Reverend Jay? When the level, we didn't hear the very end of that question. Well, like when the level of healing, like I do healing and I do a lot of uh, energy work. And so, but... I feel like some of the healing is going to be rise to the level of where just in presence of uh, of healers will people be healed. 
Oh, in the just in the presence of a healer. Is right, that your question? Rather than rather, yeah, rather than, than a method or a, um, you know just the intention of uh, brings forth that kind of healing. Okay, we'll we'll um, listen here for the answer. Thank you. That's a very nice question, Jay. Um, for those who may not be familiar, we were hoping you would ask your question more specifically. So for those who are not familiar with being healers, would be able to understand the answer. Um, what you're describing, the ability to envision the healing and help it to happen through intention. Intention is the important element there. So you may not have to use your hands, but it would not just be your presence that will cause the healing. It will be your intention. So even Jesus, when he does his healings, does it with intention and with action. So it's not... It's not enough just to be in his presence necessarily, although some people do feel that. Um, But the intention of the healer is the gift that they bring to the person who needs to be healed. And that is always part of the process of healing, is feeling the warmth and the commitment and the unconditional love of the person who is helping with the healing. That helps to heal the person's heart as well as the illness. There's another part to this question that we'll answer that is very interesting because what you're foreseeing is fifth dimension healing. And yes, that will happen when you ascend to the fifth dimension. While you're still here, The atmosphere is heavier. There are different requirements for healing at this moment in present time where you are. But you're looking ahead and you're right to do that. Yes, there will be a time. For now, and it will only be a short time, for now, continue to experiment, continue to study There are important skills that you can develop while you're still here because every moment counts right now. Every moment counts. And the healing that you do will help people to raise their level of consciousness. That's the real healing. You know that, don't you? The real healing has to do with helping the person to think of themselves as healed, not just someone who can go and let someone else heal them, but someone who is capable of creating health in themselves. And the more skillful you become at your intention to help them realize that strength in themselves, the more effective you will be. This is true of all kinds of healers. The ones who are most effective are the ones who have cleared their own own auras, their own minds and bodies, so that they can be completely free, so that they can not get in in their own way when they're healing someone else. And those who are who are capable of maintaining that clear, sparkling light energy so that when you're sending the healing energy or when you're bringing the healing energy from the guides and helpers that you bring into your process to help you with the healing, it will be clear as a bell. And the person will reverberate to that kind of energy that you're helping to bring to them. So there never is a case where a particular healer 
heals someone else. There always has to be the light, the feeling of health and joy and connection to us, to each other, to the light. And when a person does that, when they feel completely connected with us, with the light, with you as part of the one that we all experience, they will find perfect health. And following on what we were talking about earlier, the transition, the ascension to fifth dimension planet Earth, planet Gaia, which means that you're living in the fifth dimension, then you won't have to worry about health because you will be given perfect health. Now, some of you, let's add another piece to this because I think you will understand this. Some of you have already agreed that it will be your work to transition back to work with the people whose whose difficulties have meant that they haven't ascended yet to the fifth dimension. Some of you have volunteered to go back to the planet where they will be to help work with them. And that's when the skills you're learning now will be absolutely crucial. So don't think that By the time you ascend, your work will be done. Just the opposite. You're being trained now for work that you will also do in the future. Does that answer your question, Jay? Um, Yes. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm so... Wow, that brings another whole perspective actually to me that that possibly I would be doing healing uh, at a, not just on Gaia but in um, another dimension is what you actually just said, right? Yes, because Gaia will be ascending to the fifth dimension. But we will also have troops of healers who have volunteered to descend, to go back to the places where their work is still needed for people who have not yet ascended. And that's other planets? Yes, it is a planet that's been created, which will be there for the people who haven't quite made it to the fifth dimension to ascend, who are either young souls or who were not ready yet, people who have not yet awakened but will need another another chance or more lifetimes in order to evolve. And that won't happen here on planet Earth then? Well, it's difficult to explain in in three-dimensional terms because there is no language that really describes what another dimension is like. But if you can imagine that in addition to the planet you are standing on, there are other mirror images of the planet that will... Pardon me? They're coexisting in time? Coexisting, yes. Okay. I think I understand it, and um, I I thank you very much for your time. Um, I just was wondering where my, um, to what level of degree my healing was supposed to go to, and I was trying to, uh, you know, decipher, you know, kind of what to expect, and so you gave me an interesting perspective, and I Mm -hmm. thank you. Remain open. You will find 
healers who will come and help you to learn. And I also suggest that you contact Catherine because she is also in touch with a number of healers and may be able to help you to be guided to what's next for you. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, Reverend Jay, for calling. And we're going to take our next caller. Our next caller is Athena. And Athena is calling from Jordan in the Middle East. Athena, can you hear us? Yes. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Sure. Go ahead with your question. Um, Well, since I'm in the land of Islam, I had a question about that. And it's um, about the original messages that were given to Muhammad. And I was just wondering if Allah actually meant for there to be so many rules, because it seems like there's so many rules and many people walk around here um, talking about what is haram, which means that if you don't do that, you're going to burn in hell. And so I was wondering if there was... If you had any comments about that? If they're if they're on the right track, or maybe it's been misinterpreted through the you know ages. You know, man's perspective has been a- attached to it, or what? Hope it's not too oh. broad. <laughs> oh, that's a really good question, Athena. And welcome to you calling all the way from Jordan. We're delighted that you're here. Well, that's a very important question and one that will partially be answered if you read the message that we gave to Catherine a few days ago. So if you will go to her blog, Ellen will tell you how to find that. If you go to the blog, you will find a message that we gave to all of you um, about religion and today's religions, but your question is very specific and we're delighted to answer it for you. Yes, of course, as you suspect, many of the teachings have been distorted, um, exaggerated, taken to, well, very extremes. So let's start with the idea of Allah. Of course we are Allah. (laughs) You already knew that, though, didn't you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We, in the Middle East, at the time that Muhammad came, there was such foment and such destructiveness The dark forces had created pockets of hatred and deprivation that were so severe, and the cultures were so rigid in their belief systems that, ironically, it was only possible to present to them a scheme, a structure that would appeal to their duality thinking. We did not hope at the time to raise everyone to a fifth dimensional level. We hoped only to counteract the dark forces and to help people to extract themselves from the worst of the teachings that were being promulgated at the time. So Mohammed's message, the message we gave him to give to the people, was specifically tailored for that time and place. One of the things you might be familiar with in the Koran is that it was specified that women would be, in in terms of um, inheritance, that women would get half of what men would get. Well, that sounds very sexist and unfair, of course, and I'm sure you know who this is talking. (laughs) This is Mother God. And, of course, (laughs) we did not in any way intend 
for women to be deprived. In fact, to get half was halfway there because what they were getting at the time was nothing. So some of the rules, unfortunately, it was very rule-bound even as we gave it to Mohammed, but that was because it would appeal to the mentality at the time. It did have one advantage, and that is that these rules that we offered in our message through Mohammed were that people needed to learn to meditate and needed to learn to pray five times a day. Now, in that teaching, you might call it, you might say it was a sleeper suggestion because in the process of meditating and practicing prayer five times a day, it did put a wedge between people and their most virulent Uh, destructive ideas. Of course it hasn't been completely effective. Of course there are still people who have been so imbued with darkness that they have not been able to free themselves. That's what you've seen happening in recent years. But as you can tell, there are many, as has been apparent with the Arab Spring. There are many people who, although they have not yet fully awakened, are beginning to get the feeling of freedom. And once they understand political freedom, they will also begin to understand spiritual freedom. It's a gradual process, and I'm sure you understand we couldn't do it all at once. So it gave the Muslim people, first of all, a sense of pride that they had something special that was their own because Christianity did not fit in with what they believed and what they wanted to believe. And the way Christianity was being presented was distorted. By that time, was very distorted. So we couldn't present ideas that were like Christianity because that had already been distorted. So we had to start anew. So this is why we tailored it to a rule-bound society in the hopes that it would take the people a step further toward freedom. And it has. Now it will be a challenge for everyone who has been so steeped in those rigid rules, it will be a real challenge for them to free themselves from the most oppressive of those tendencies that have been exaggerated. And, you know, there was no intention, of course, that people should uh, take on an arrogance or... Um, a feeling that they are the only ones who are chosen or that, you know, if they murder in the name of Allah that they will be rewarded. Of course not. That is not our way. But unfortunately in the um, Muslim tradition, they have adopted many of the feeling of the feelings and the ideas that were already present in their cultures, which was a kind of male dominance and um, arrogance and authoritarianism that has been terribly oppressive. You are a woman in that area of the world. You will be a leader. You will be one who will carry the message. I recommend to you that you arm yourself. Arm yourself by going to the messages that we have given over the past many months. Some of them have to do with religion, but 
all of them have to do with fairness and equality. And if you arm yourself with the knowledge that's there, you will be able to go out and talk with people. You have already tried to do this, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because that was my that was my next question. I wanted to know is is there going to be some kind of a messenger or messengers that will come down and kind of re-explain what you said, but in a way that the people will listen because right now they're so bound by what is written in the book that they, you know, it's like they can't, they, they, what exactly what you said about how there was a time and a place, you know, I've, I've, I've proposed that idea to many people, and they say, no, it is written in the Quran that this is the way it is. And I, and I said, well, think about it. Think of, you know, does that make sense today, you know? So I was wondering if there, if, you know, can <laughs> Mohammed come back? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mohammed will not be back. now we're asking you Mm. to keep doing this and to do it as brilliantly and as enthusiastically as you possibly can now when you present these ideas to people of course you need to come from a position where your light is beaming on them where they experience your unconditional love so that they don't feel criticized. That's part of this whole system, you know. Mm-hmm. If you approach it in any way that sounds like a criticism, they will bridle, they'll fight you. So find the positive things about Islam and emphasize those. And do it in such a way that you get people to pay attention to the positive things that are there in Islam. And then then you can bring a small idea, another bit of light, gradually, over tea, and something sweet. <laughs> Which they love. <laughs> <laughs> and you will be surprised, little by little, you will find you can make inroads. But always begin with what's positive about Islam. That way they will see that you are their friend and that you're not attacking them. Can you, can, would I be able to use humor? Like for, just for example, the haram thing, um, because there, everybody always says, this is haram, that is haram, this is haram. And one of the things they say is haram is, for example, uh, geckos that geckos will eat your salt. And so I I tell them, what? You know, like, that does, does that make any sense? If geckos were going to eat your salt, they'd be hanging out in the kitchen and, you know, attacking your salt, or they'd all be hanging out at the Dead Sea. You know, and so, you know, you know maybe we need to relook at this. And, you know, it, maybe that's just something that happened that got written. And yes. maybe we need to not kill these geckos because this is what they do. They see a gecko, they kill it. And, and I said, well, why did you kill that? Well, because it's going to eat my salt. And I try to get them to laugh at it like, are you serious? It's really going to eat your salt. You know, like that. Is that okay or is that? are they not ready for that yet? Well, let's think about a different way to go about that. Okay. Um, so you can say to the person, how much salt do you think one gecko could eat? <laughs> Perhaps instead of killing the gecko, you could just leave a little salt for it. Oh. And then you will be doing God's work gotcha. to preserve and honor each creature that is that lives. And if the, if the gecko doesn't eat the salt... Perhaps you could leave a little sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a way to use humor a little bit. Yes. It's the only way. How much salt could a gecko eat? (laughs) I've actually thought about making T-shirts about it because it's so... It's it just seems so crazy, and I just 
you know, all I want to do is kind of jar them a little bit to kind of think, because they're so used to following the rules, you know, to kind of look at those rules and say, well, wait a minute, you know, okay, this rule, yeah, that one still works, but this one, that one doesn't make any sense, like this, you know. Mm-mm. No. Okay. No one likes to be disapproved of. Okay. No one likes to have their ideas laughed at. Um. So you must be very careful that you don't offend people by letting them think that you're amused by their rules. Oh, okay. You must be very respectful and encourage them. This is the formula I just taught you. Take the rule and carry it to its logical extreme. Well, in that case, if geckos like salt, feed them salt. You know, in many cultures, people leave treats for their ancestors by the door. These are poor people who don't have a lot of food, but they always manage to save some food to leave by the door for their ancestors. Perhaps you could do the same for your gecko. So you make it a positive mm-hmm. Keep the rule and turn it into something positive so that they don't feel criticized or that you think they're ridiculous, which would be very destructive and would put them on edge and then they'll feel they have to fight you and they won't listen to anything else you have to say. Very good point. Thank you very much. That was a very, very, very different way of looking at it because I, I had never thought about it that way. And I appreciate it very much. Wonderful. And good luck with your teaching. Thank you. And I'm so excited to read all of the messages. <laughs> all right. And now we're going to have a little music and let Catherine catch her breath. everyone. This is Ellen, and I just wanted to thank you all for joining us today on the show. It was really great, and thank you all for your questions. Just wonderful. Uh, just re- remind you to uh, call us um, next week. Tell your friends. Uh, we'll be here next Sunday at 3 p.m. That's uh, Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much, and um, Dr. Catherine's going to come and say goodbye also. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Hi, everybody. This is Catherine. What an exciting time to have someone from Jordan call. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so we're delighted to have these these wonderful questions. I can't wait to listen to the show myself <laughs> because I don't usually remember much of what Mother, Father, God have told us. But... Um, 
today was very interesting. So I'm going to say goodbye to you all now and encourage you. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the website. On my website, which is www.whoneedslight.org, there are several buttons you can see there. And don't forget the org, by the way, because if you go to .com, you get somebody's lighting store, I think. Um, There, Across the top, you will see the buttons um, that guide you to different pages. There's one called Visual Centering, and I suggest that all of you go there and watch uh, the videos that I have put on there about the visual centering technique that I do, which helps you to center and align yourself so that you will become more psychic. There's also a description there that will not only more psychic, but more balanced, calm, ready to face the world. Um, There's also a button called um, Channeled Info. And on on that page... I have posted all the channelings from Mother, Father, God right from the beginning, uh, which was many months ago. There are now about 125 of those messages. But I strongly encourage you to read through them because each one is different. And as you read, you will gain an accumulation of knowledge. And the nice part about it, too, is that As you read, you feel more and more the love coming through, more and more a sense of peace and companionship and being a part of the one, a part of this wonderful project that we're all involved in. And you will find bits and pieces of information that you might not have seen anywhere else. Some of you who are very advanced may find things there that you've already seen, But the tone and the quality of the messages that have been coming through are so tender and so direct and so helpful that I found even the most advanced spiritual teachers are finding them reassuring and helpful and affirming. There are also other other buttons there that lead you to descriptions of the book Who Needs Light which was also um, edited by Mother Father God and uh, they they gave me a lot of suggestions about how the book should be organized so that it flows from front to back as a manual for ascension and as you read you find a story a poem a new idea, and then it switches. And then there will be another story and a poem and something else that will help you to open your sights. And I guarantee you there is something there for everyone and also information that you can work with. If you're a healer yourself or a teacher yourself, there will be there will be lots of information there that will help you. So there's a a page that tells you about the book and a page there where you can order it. Um, Any of you who wish to, go to the button that says buy the book and if you tell me that you were on the radio show and you heard about this on the radio show, I will send you the book without postage. Um, So if you you order it from me directly, um, it's $24. Actually, I'm going to make a special a special offer for people who order the book from this radio show. Just say so when you send me the email and I will I will send it to you for $20 and I will pay the postage. So, I think that's all the information for now. Please come and talk to us next week and bring us more of your brilliant questions. It was delightful to hear from people so far away and who are working so hard. So until next week, I wish you all 
well and send you love. Namaste. This following music will be Archangel in the Snow by John Memora, which was written especially. One day I'll tell you the story again for those of you who haven't heard it. This is about a true story. The other music you've heard today was from Jonathan Goldenthal, who gave me his instrumentals to play on the show. We're very grateful for him for that. So now you'll hear Archangel in the Snow by John Mamora. It was after midnight, moonlight on the snow. Poetic in its beauty, sadness in your soul.
was lesson number three, and it was the one where they were saying, oops, I think I lost you. Yeah, time out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.